Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecki is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Gwilda Wiecki's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Science of Magic or endorsed in any manner by Gwilda Wiecki, Relmar McConnell Media Company, its affiliated networks, stations, or employees. Welcome to the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, a program dedicated to uncovering the unified nature of reality and humanity's ever-evolving place as truly galactic beings. For more information on the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, visit us online at www.thescienceofmagic.net. Hello, dear friends, and welcome to The Science of Magic, a program combining the science and magic of today's leading topics to co-create new solutions and promote evolutionary thinking. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be exploring spirit animals, dreams, and prophecies. Across ages and cultures, there are reports of white spirit animals being born to herald times of change. From the white buffalo calf to white elephants, these animals have been seen as sacred prophets by shaman and medicine people. They purportedly 
come as power animals through the shamanic trances to tell the practitioner of their sacred duty to use their gifts on behalf of the people. White spirit animals come in physical form or in visions and dreams to forewarn those who could hear about upcoming monumental changes and shifts of consciousness. Such a spirit animal was born on a farm in Wisconsin, August 20, 1994. Miracle, the sacred white female buffalo calf, was not an albino and was considered to be the first true white buffalo calf born since 1933. She was extremely important to the religious beliefs of many American Indian and Canadian First Nation tribes as she played a pivotal role in the fulfillment of their most revered prophecies. She was seen as a symbol of hope and renewal for humanity and for harmony between all peoples and races in our world today. Why this cross-cultural belief in the sacredness of white spirit animals? Comparative mythology alone indicates there's more to the legend than meets the eye. Are there really more white spirit animals being born now, as some reports indicate, or are there just more of us out there to notice them? How can we understand what they're trying to tell us? With us this hour to explore the mystical powers of the white spirit animals is Dr. J. Zahara Mirhoff Hieronymus. She's the author of numerous books, including her latest, White Spirit Animals, Prophets of Change. Zohara is a social justice and environmental activist and a professional artist. She founded the Rescom Mason County Health Center in Baltimore. Her website, whitespiritanimal.com. Zohara, thank you so much for joining us on The Science of Magic. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm curious, you have DHL after your name. What does that stand for? Uh, Doctorate of Humane Letters. Well, I'm not familiar with that. What is it? It's a doctorate, and that's what it is, from Saybrook University in California. Oh, okay, okay. It's not honorary? Honorary with full uses as though it weren't. You know, a lot of people get honorary doctorates as a political or a financial pay. I got mine actually for my body of life work and was told it is no different than having received any other doctorate and that I've done more work than many doctoral candidates and deserve several doctorates, but they could only award one at a time. <laughs> Rats. You could have used more, right? <laughs> no, one was fine, actually. <laughs> what was your education in? Well, I have been an artist. Um, every 10 years, I've changed career paths. I was in the performing arts for a decade, then I was in, and I was a mime and an artist and a singer-songwriter, and then for a decade I practiced the healing arts and founded the Ruscombe Mansion Community Health Center mm -hmm. and learned all about distant healing, non-local consciousness, acupuncture, homeopathy, nutrition, and put Ooh. the center together, believing that it was so important, and that was back in 1985, so that's a long time ago, 30 oh, plus years. The, yeah, you're on the leading edge of it back then. It was the leading yeah. edge. It's the oldest freestanding integrative holistic healing center in the country, actually, that was wow. not founded around a particular uh, spiritual guru or a particular spiritual lineage. It was based in the Western mystery tradition in the sense that it's an individuated path, and the way integrative healing works is explicitly that, that it's a journey. It's not something that's done to you. It's an opportunity for you. So, yeah, we're in our 34th year almost, and um, then for a decade I practiced all the communication arts. I was a broadcaster, I wrote for newspaper, I did television shows as well, and cable, and then I did a decade of really 
dedicated esoteric study of Kabbalah and some of the shamanistic arts. So I've always been a student of the esoteric mystery tradition since I was, I don't know, I guess about 14 deliberately, and I'm now in my mid-60s. So it's been a, a long haul, half a century of working at it. And then this decade that I am towards the last few years of, actually, I have dedicated to animal communication. So mm, the truth mm-hmm. is I went from the performing arts to the healing arts to the communication arts to the telepathic arts. <laughs> how fun is and that? And yet they're all related because they're they all about are, the creative they... process. Yeah. So how do you, how do you get interested in white spirit animals? You know, I've always been an animal lover since I was a very young child and have always practiced at communicating with animals, uh, whether it was giving people messages from their beloved deceased dog or hearing a message from a now-deceased bonobo who was the um, study of one of my guests, Matata, who was the long, one of the longest-lived captive bonobos. What happened was in uh, March of 20. 13, actually, I had a waking day vision, and waking day visions have informed all four of the books I've done in which I'm shown a pattern, sort of the as above, so below axiom, and I'm shown these interconnected realities between what we experience in the physical world and what's happening in the spiritual world. So in 2013, I had a vision specifically of a group of white spirit animals came and gathered all around me, and I, I to tell you the truth, Gwilda, I was stunned. I mean, I knew immediately I was in the presence of great elder teachers, and I felt Mm -hmm. that way. Mm -hmm. So I immediately responded, as I've learned to do over the decades of service, that when spirit beings, whether they are human, animal, nature, come to you, whether it's in a meditation, um, um, a vision, or a dream, it's not to be just looked at as so much debris in your life, that it was a very important moment. So I said to them, what can I do for you and why have you come to me and they explained that they wanted me to tell their story and it was like 12 different white spirit animals there was a a buffalo and a wolf and a giraffe and a whale and a shark and i didn't write about all of them i wrote about five that i was instructed to write about which is the buffalo the wolf the elephant the bear and i'm forgetting somebody i do this (laughs) all the time (laughs) anyway i I don't mean to I love them all. And what I learned from them, because they said they wanted their story told as a whole. I think I may have missed, I may not have included the lion. Um, And that by telling their story as a whole, we would have a better, I would have a better understanding of their purpose. You know, white spirit animals had been something I'd been aware of, particularly, as you mentioned, the white buffalo that was born on the Hyder's Ranch in the 80s. But this dream really showed me that there was something more important, that basically these white spirit animals are the prophets of the wild, and that it was an appropriate response emotionally. They are revered elders, and they're revered by the traditions in which they exist worldwide, whether it's the white lion in Africa or the white wolf across the northern plains, or meaning our continent, or the buffalo, or the elephant in Asia and India. And what you find when you study all these animals, or the white bear in the Colombian rainforest, British Columbian rainforest, is they've all been revered by indigenous peoples for centuries, if not millennium. Yeah, it's it's amazing, isn't it? You know, why why do you suppose there's this cross-cultural belief in the sacredness of the white animals? 
Well, I think white animals, firstly, these aren't albino. These are animals that inherit two recessive genes from their parents who may not be white-haired at all. In the same way, a red-haired, fair-skinned Irish woman has the same recessive gene that the bear has, actually, um, to make it a white bear. I think there's so few of them that, firstly, that stands out as notable. Secondly, they're white, so we see them, unlike the rest of their species, a white bear is not a black bear. A white wolf is not a brindle wolf. A white elephant is not a gray elephant. They're kind of pinkish, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and a white lion stands different from a golden tawny lion. So people have noticed them. There is also the association with them in all of the tribal lore associated with each animal in their domain, their ecosystem, as being remnants of the last ice age. Mm-hmm. And it said that their white coats are to remind us of the time in which we had these basically one could say telepathic rapport with the animals with whom we lived, that they were not looked at as beneath us, they weren't looked at as less conscious than us, they weren't looked at as not having the right to exist like we do, which is a very modern kind of entitlism that was totally the European culture. Um, And instead the elders revered them as they would give up their life for them, for their food or their protection. And so they understood that this was a reciprocal relationship, that this was a relationship of honor and of exchange in the same way the universe is reciprocal, as I know you discuss. So the elders and the traditions around them and all the Native traditions tell us that these animals are here to teach us, they're here to help us, and they show up when we are in the most danger during Earth changes. That's that's pretty interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, I know they um, uh, don't do real well because they don't have the natural camouflage, but I'd never put it together that they came from the Ice Age. Yeah, and it's interesting because whether it's about the white lion, the white wolf, the white bear, you'll read the elder stories, and they're all about, you know, climbing a ladder to the North Pole or getting ice on their coat as they went. But when you speak to the animals themselves and you look at the shamanistic tradition they are deeply ingrained in, these are our teachers, and they taught us how to survive, they taught us how to hunt, they taught us how to stay warm, they taught us how to arrange our community, and that was one of the surprising things for me, Gwilda, in this journey, was that these were all matrilineal traditions, and they all still are. I mean, the wolf is the only one that has an alpha male and an alpha female, and they all stay together. The bear and the lion and the wolf, I mean, the elephant and the buffalo all are matrilineal. The, after a certain age of weaning, the males are with the males, and the females stay together for a lifetime unless they breed with another herd. Right. I know the elk here are that way as well, and it's like honoring your own gender in a way, isn't it? And I believe that's how Native people, if you look at their societies, most are matriarchies, where this ethos of care is centered around the mother and child. And what these mammals said to me was not only telling us, please save as many of us as you can, and we'll talk later about why. But they also said, please, restore your matrilineal tradition. This is what humans need, that we have lost this reverence for the mother and child, and instead it's women and children and animals who are the most abused on the earth through a patriarchy. Mm, I think the men are pretty well abused through it, too. (laughs) Well, they are, but in a different sense. Yeah. Well, you're right. There are male victims all over the world being shot for just standing where they stand. Exactly. Well, we're going to have to take a break from our conversation for a commercial time. Uh, But Zahara and I will return shortly, so don't go away. You're listening to The Science of Magic. Our current episodes are internationally broadcast and air daily through the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, 
The X-Zone is based in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. In service to our listeners, prior innovative episodes can always be accessed free of charge on our website, thescienceofmagic.net, and I always love to hear from my listeners. You can email me at info at thescienceofmagic.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Welcome back. This is a Science of Magic dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is Dr. J. Zohara Mirhoff Hieronymus, the author of White Spirit Animals, Prophets of Change. Her website, whitespiritanimals.com. Zohara, we were getting into the uh, how some of the message that uh, you're getting from the white animals is to, to go back into a matriarchy. Would you mind continuing with that? Well, it was the surprise. You know, people often say, well, what surprised you in this journey? And I always say, that surprised me. Going into writing this book when they said, if you tell our story as a group, you'll better understand our purpose. Had I not, I probably wouldn't have seen this. A a matriarchy, unlike people's um, misgivings or their um, misinformation, is not about women being in charge. Matriarchies are lateral arrangements of consensus by self-governed people. That is essentially what the Western Mystery Path establishes, is that each of us, and this is what the Native traditions teach and believe, that each of us is obligated to come into self-mastery. And in coming into self-refinement and our management of our own emotions and our own inclinations, and to do good, to be of service, to be humble, all these wonderful attributes we work towards, if that's our choice, which for many of us on a uh, deliberate conscious path it is, um, is that a matriarchy says that we are all equal, but we all have equal responsibility to managing ourselves. It's not a hierarchy that is hierarchical in the sense of a vertical arrangement. It's very lateral. 
So in the indigenous traditions and in the white spirit animal traditions, it is the female elder who teaches the entire herd how to manage themselves, how to arrange their society, how to hunt, how to play, how to groom, how to make shelter. And because of this, the entire management of the ecosystem is dependent on the elder female in each of these herds being um, cared for. So the entire herd, whether it's the, the bears, well, the bears are different because they live in very small clusters of a mother and her two cubs, and there is no, unlike the Goldilocks story, there is no stay-at-home father bear. There's no papa bear in the in the man's den, in the cave, the man cave, I think they call it. It's actually a female cave where <laughs> the baby cubs will stay up until two and three years of age. And then if they're female, they'll tend to stay around until they mate and start their own family. If they're male, they go out early and they find other male bears to travel with. So in matriarchies, it's, it's understood that the female elder is the arbitrator of who's in power, who loses power, in the animal tradition as well. And in indigenous peoples, in the League of the Iroquois, we see this, that the women were the landholders. The women were the deciders of who right, would but, be what within the constellation of their this, community. But this isn't universal among the white uh, spirit animals. You know, like you stated, the wolves have alpha pairs. I mean, it's not universal. So why well, are you wolves, kidding? But it is still a matriarchy. I have to clarify that because they have a innate wiring of appreciating that without the female there's no continuance of the of, of their lineage and that would so seem more like equal that would seem more like equality to me than i think a the matriarchy wolf is the wolf is because and that's what i said in the beginning the wolf is the only one of these five apex guardian mammals and they're apex because they are the apex guardian of their ecosystems so not only are they white not only are they rare not only they are in matriarchies but other than the wolf, which is true egalitarianism and I think represents exactly how we need to conduct ourselves. But in any event, um, they are the apex of their ecosystem, and without them that ecosystem collapses. So they are also many of them represented in the star systems above us. Right. But they're, they're, this was their let's, teaching, let's, not mine. Yeah. Let's change gears just a little bit. Uh, where did you get your shamanic training? I can't say I've had any specific shamanic training, nor do I claim to be a shaman. Um, what I did intend to do for this book was use the talents I've cultivated over the 50 or so years I've been doing this work of dowsing, radionics, healing at a distance, far seeing, remote viewing. I've done all of these things and had the privilege of being trained by the teachers of the teachers. I'm very lucky in that way. Um, but I have always had these skills. Since I was a young child, I've talked to the dead. Since I was a young child, I've given animal messages to people who are alive. But if you don't, if you don't have training for the checks and balances, how can you be sure of what you're interpreting? You know, when you've practiced any art, that's like asking a writer who didn't go to school for writing how they become such a great writer. They'll tell you, I wrote every day, most of my life. You know, when you cultivate your own innate talents, and that's why this is so important and why I did this, I wanted to see how did shamans, how do shamans, medicine healers, use dreams for healing, like the Greeks did, like we all did. Traditionally, humans are designed to use dreams for healing. And I wanted to show that dream telepathy, unlike waking telepathy, which I do for people for free, I always do all this work for service, um, is something any human can do. 
And that's why I specifically wrote this book in that fashion, was using dreams as a method of communication, because if everything is one, Gwilda, and consciousness is basically an intermeshed network of light that's kind of like signals sent and signals received, then it means anything any human focuses their attention on and has intention to be true to what it is that they're doing and whatever it is they're collaborating with, we have the opportunity to learn. So this is why in all of Jungian therapeutics and in many other psychological modalities, they encourage their clients to use dreams for their healing. To yeah, dream dreams their dreams healing. are amazing things. And there's there's lots of different kinds of dreams. We have dreams that we just get <laughs> as individuals. There's shamanic dreams that you intentionally go out and then you have to interpret the you know what's coming. And I understand the white the white uh, spirit animals can come to us in, in all, all kinds of dreams, in daydreams, in visions, in night dreams, in shamanic journeys. How can you tell what they're trying to say? You know, it's a great question, and people ask me this all the time when I give classes on, you know, how to talk to your animals, how to know what the tree is telling you. I really believe it's all in practice, because you have to, over a period of time, learn the difference in your own anatomy between um, projection, imagination, and reception. Yeah, and very good not point. Everybody, mm-hmm. Not everybody receives in the same way. You know, some people will hear something. Uh, another person might see something. Somebody else might actually smell something. I, the way I work is I work with my eyes completely wide open, and I just it's almost like somebody puts a big screen in front of me. And not only do I see the story of whatever it is I have come into rapport with, I hear it. I'm almost like watching a foreign film with, you know, subtitles, only the subtitles mm-hmm. are their language translated into English for me. How, how can you tell, though, if what you're seeing is literal or metaphorical? Another great question. Again, practice. You know, what I have found, and this is what Ingo Swan, the late visionary artist, etc., Maverick, who helped create, along with Russell Targ and others, the protocol for remote viewing back in the 1960s when the CIA first recruited them to do this, is to practice non-judgment. You know, the the big thing is to just look at what you see and not judge it, not label it, not name it, just experience it. And over time, what I discovered for myself, again, it may not be true for other people, is that my first impressions are the most accurate. But as soon as I try to figure it out to, oh, that can't be true, the elephant telling me that they fly, that's impossible. You know, whatever it is we hear or learn from whoever or whatever we're coming into rapport with, whether it's we're standing next to a tree in our backyard or meditating on the rainforest in the Amazon, is to really have some faith in the universal way in which all life talks. And no, it that's, talks that's, through that's images. Great, that, it does. It does. And sometimes it's metaphorical, but sometimes it's quite yeah. literal. And I see that um, you know, how can we tell if we're getting uh, a literal or a metaphorical and how can we tell if what we're getting is for us as individuals or for the larger group of people? You know, that's the question the prophets had to struggle with. I wrote a book on the prophets of Israel, both the female prophets and others, and that was one of the challenges of finding a real prophet and a false prophet. And the prophets themselves were told, sometimes the information is for you alone. And sometimes it's information you have to share with the community. You know, my late teacher of dowsing, uh, the late Terry Edward Ross III, who was probably one of the greatest dowsers of the 20th century, um, said to always ask, may I, can I, 
should I? And what he was meaning, like, you want to douse for a well? You have to first ask the lamb, may I douse for a well here? Can I? Do I have the ability? Um, and should I? Should I do something that, you know, imposes my presence, my intention, my conscious will? And the same thing with an animal. Let's say someone in the audience wants to come into rapport with their beloved dog who has passed over. First they ask, can I? Should I? You know, and, and may I? Meaning asking the permission of the deceased or of the tree or of the river, may I talk to you? And yeah, then permission. if they say yes, you have to take very seriously that you have come into rapport with a living entity. Right. No I mean, the permission the on the street. There's no mis- yeah. there's no replacing permission and respect. And I think that that's something that we've really gotten away from. We just assume that because we can, we should or could yeah, or exactly. it's our right. And boy, that's yeah. really that's really driving us down a wrong trail. Would you yeah, mind right. sharing would you mind sharing with me what's the difference between power animals, totems and white spirit animals? Well, white spirit animals can be somebody's totem, meaning a totem is an animal that we come into rapport with, with whom we come into deliberate collaboration. And it's deliberate on both species' parts. You know, some humans think, well, I can call the wolf whenever I want. Well, that's not really true. It's like no different than a dog running around outside. You can call them. That doesn't mean they'll come. And back to this reciprocity. So totems are often things that people have found just in their life. You know, they feel connected to a bear, or they see a bear painting, or they see a movie with the bear, or their brother calls them little bear, or whatever it is. That can become a totem, meaning an animal with whom they have a personal intimacy, and with whom I have to say one is serving. It's very important to remember we are serving them as much as they are serving us. And that's essential because people kind of... um, what's the right word, merchandise spirit animals, and they objectify them like they're, you know, something you just put in your pocket or on the list of your accomplishments, that these are sentient beings with their own culture and history right, and so, memory and story. And that's the other thing I'm glad you brought up, because there's so much uh, ego involvement uh, with people. Yeah. Well, my totem is a such and such. Well, yeah. it, 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 where's the humbleness? How, you know, we, we need to respect the fact that something is has chosen us to support at this time. How can we tell the difference between an individual totem that's with us, or are they representing the entire uh, nation of that animal? It's both. I think it's always both all the time. Same for humans. You know, I'm white, I'm Jewish, I'm a female. I always represent Jewish, white, and female. And the same thing with the animals. You know, when we come into rapport with an animal, they are a member of a community. And what you do with that one affects the whole. So how I treat somebody in, you know, a nation affects the whole. If we are to believe the esoteric teachings, which I do, and if we are to believe quantum physics, which I do, then all things is interconnected at all times. So there is never this reality that we have fractured and made, in, it, meaning it's not a reality, that everything can be looked at separately because anything we do, think or say, affects the whole. So the same thing, your total may be wolf, and you have this one beautiful brindly wolf that comes with you everywhere, and you've been well, told we're, its name we're is... Gonna, what it, we're going to have to pick up on wolf on the other side of a short pause. Okay. Zohara and I will return to our discussion on the other side of this break, so don't go away. We're coming to you to the Exxon Broadcast Network, your place for the very best of paranormal, parapsychology, new age, alternative health, and spirituality program. Don't miss the other fine shows and hosts on xzbn.net. You're listening to The Science of Magic, your resource for creative solutions in a changing world, thescienceofmagic.net. 
Paycom has something to say about payroll. When it isn't right, a lot can go wrong. And it's the employee who ends up suffering the most. After all, their livelihood depends on an accurate paycheck every time. And when they don't get that, they're placed in a tight financial spot, leading to insufficient funds, overdraft fees, missed payments, and other nightmares. Not to mention a lack of confidence and trust in their employer. With Betty, new from Paycom, employees do their own payroll. That means they gain full visibility into their paychecks and can resolve any issues and approve their checks before payroll is processed instead of after for greater accuracy and peace of mind. And best of all, they get a perfect paycheck every time. The future of payroll is here. Learn more at paycom.com slash Betty. That's paycom.com slash B-E-T-I. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, a place where magic and science come together to promote enlightenment. If you all enjoy the wonderful topics on our program, then visit my blog where the adventures continue at thescienceofmagicblog.blogspot.com. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is Zohara Meyerhoff Hieronymus. She's the author of numerous books, including her latest, White Spirit Animals, Prophets of Change. Her website is whitespiritanimals.com. Um, so why do you, speaking of which, Zahara, why do you call the white spirit animals prophets of change? Well, I believe from everything I've learned and studied is that the white spirit animals really are the prophets of their species and the prophets of the wild. In the same way humans have prophets, people that are um, gifted with a particular capacity to see beyond their local environment. That's the primary thing a prophet does 
as a shaman does, is to gather information outside time and space that most people are constrained by. The white prophet animals are members of the, um, what's the right word to use, constellation. The same way they're group souls in humanity, like we're probably in the same group soul, thousands of us who come and go from incarnation to incarnation together to accomplish certain work, to make right work we've aired in in the past. I believe the white spirit animals are a group soul of elevated animals that have committed themselves to A, being vulnerable and seen, B, having great responsibility to the human community, and that everything associated with them is that they come when we are in the midst of earth changes or very Mm. difficult climatic disruptions or the loss of our own ethical and moral rudder. So you think that we're in those kind of times right now? No question about it. In my mind, you know, from a Kabbalistic perspective, which I have been a lifelong student of, the tree of life are these ten sephirot, or spheres of light, that are built like the anatomy of the human. There's a head and two arms and a chest and a stomach and generative organs and legs and feet. Um, We are, in terms of the time span of incarnation within a Kabbalistic structure, in what's called yesod. Yesod is the generative organs. And we are moving now into the bottom of the tree of life, the feet, which is called Mahut, which is the kingdom. Um, and it also represents women and the moon. And in the next two year, 200 years, we'll firmly be in the age of Mahut, which is when women and men will be equal and women will come into complete and total leadership and being honored in an appropriate fashion, meaning we will finally walk our talk. So change is upon us, and we're in a sixth extinction physically, We are losing 27,000 species a year against a former background rate of 1 to 10. Um, It's an accelerated die-off. Paul Crutzen, who got the Nobel Prize for his work in ozone, has named this Anthropocene, which is to suggest our impact on the environment since the 1800s is severe enough to call it, you know, the human-impacted ecological time period within a interglacial age. But, okay, so, you know, there's uh, no question we're in for big, big changes. This, um, at least if you study the mind calendar and various other forms, including the horoscope, the ages, this seems to be a cyclic thing whereby we move in and out of uh, the galaxy, areas of the galaxy that supports either a masculine dominance, a feminine dominance, which I believe we've been in, and I think it's been every bit as damaging as the masculine one, to a time of balance. So as we move into the age of Aquarius, that's a time of balance. Are we talking about the same thing here? We are. You know, the, the question of balance is everybody is male and female. We're just more female if we're in a feminine body by a few percent, and we're more male if we're in a male body. Um, So we're all male and female. We all have a right and left hemisphere. We all are dealing with bringing into unity that which we experience as duality. So within our own nature, we have to learn to balance our masculine and feminine natures. I'm a very aggressive masculine female. So, you know, I'm a good example of a woman who leans more towards that to the positive pole than the negative pole, and that's not good and bad. That's just polarities. Mm -hmm. So I don't disagree with you in that. But there are stages of evolution that take place in order to ground something. And if a needle has swung far to the right in order to come to the middle, sometimes it has to swing to the other side and then find a balance. But it's really about all of us. And that's what the white spirit animals, prophets of change, are saying. And that's the teachings in all the traditions. It's it's 
it's time to take responsibility for who we each are and how each one of us conducts ourselves in word, thought, and deed. You know, I think that's so important not... right now because everybody's out there jumping up and down about this government and that government. The only way we're going to get out of this is what we do as individuals, don't you believe? And locally. I, you know, I think with the kind of astrological constellations of between the planetary aspects right now with Mars squaring Pluto and with Jupiter having moved into Scorpio and Regulus, the star of the lion, having moved into Virgo, um, moves us into service rather than self-adulation, rather than, you know, ego engorgement, which has plagued the New Age movement, unfortunately, like so many spiritual movements, so that people have gotten crumbs and mistaken it for the full meal. And what they're really getting is a lot of nothing for a lot of money. Unfortunately, the truth about all, you asked me some fascinating questions, and I want to thank you for them, because very few broadcasters have enough exposure like you do and involvement as you do to ask the questions you ask. You know, how do we know what we perceive is true? What I tell people is it doesn't matter. What matters is to keep a record and keep practicing. And a simple practice about learning the difference is when you drive, Imagine what color the next car is going to be coming around the corner. You do that long enough and you start seeing how well and good you're moving forward in that, then you move to the next stage. You know, what can I do for this person who is suffering? What can I do for this environment in my local community? I think back to your simple answer of the individual is yes, it starts within each one of us. But I really believe that the solution to our global challenges are local economies. And there's a great website called um, Local Futures dot org run by helena norberg hodge in australia she was formerly in the uk and they have proven that if we restore local economies whether it's in india or africa or baltimore um, we will have a vigorous community of people in good relationship to each other and to bear this out after the big hurricane in texas hit the communities that did best were communities that already had community-supported agriculture, CSAs, already had farmers' markets, already had group co-ops. Within three days, they were up and feeding and sheltering and taking care of each other. So Exactly, and that's, that's, where, that's where we need to move, go is take, that's what, go back, yes. back to tribe, take care of ourselves and each other. And then yeah, the health of the individual... Community. Yeah, the health of the individual community is going to then help the individuals within the community. We've just gotten too spread out. So well, let's, also, let's go back the to the global the, economy destroys the local community's sovereignty. It indentures you to the World Bank or the IMF or some other. Yeah, corporate yeah all, all those illusionary things. Let's let's go well, back it's to not the, illusionary. The, the reality is, is that the corporatocracy is very firmly yeah, I would, in control I would of like, the governments of the world. I, I would like to get back to white spirit animals because sure. that's what we're dancing with here. So do you think there's really more of them being born right now than in times past? No, I think every age is a challenge if we are awake. Because okay. if you're awake, you're going to see the imperfections. And mm -hmm. each age offers its own solution, and each soul comes to correct whatever it is they need to. And we're each having experiences that we need to have for whatever reason. Well, you chose five particular spirit animals, white spirit animals, to focus on in your book. Why did you choose those five? I didn't choose them. They chose them. I mean, people will say, well, how do you know? Well, you know, out of the 12 or 14 that showed up, it was very clear to me that the bear, the lion, the elephant, the wolf, and the buffalo wanted their story told. You know, the bear um, is really the master of healer, and the lion is the healer of the heart, and the elephant in my way of thinking, is the most compassionate being on the planet. Aren't and they amazing, yeah. And what Buddhists emulate. Mm 
Mm -hmm. the, the wolf really is the guardian of life and death. You know, Anubis is a wolf. That's the short story. And buffalo, in, in the sense of the northern continent, are essential for us to pursue our spiritual role on the planet. You know, buffalo are the restorer of spirit, and they're also the cultivator of soil. And that's the message. The fact that buffalo are rising in the United States, that there's an effort to preserve them, that the former President Obama named them our national mammal, um, the fact that they're being bred, that there's so many now white spirit animals. Cynthia Hart, who I discuss in the book extensively, has the White Bison Association now settling around the mounds in Ohio. The buffalo and the white buffalo calf woman, Lakota prophecy story, um, is very important. So each of these mammals... A, um, have been exposed to humanity for a very long time, and more people than not have been exposed to them in their own native habitats. Um, but they are the ones that chose which of the mammals should be written about together. So do you think that they're holding a particular frequency between the five of them that we need to have present right now? That's a great question. I'm sure they do. Again, everything physical holds a frequency because it is a frequency. If we're all light emanating and um, receiving, that is what essentially everything is, is a vibratory rate. So when we change our vibration, and back to the Maya, you know, they say that we're now in a recycling every month of we're at a highest frequency this planet can receive and be able to withstand it. I mean, they do, it's called the ninth wave. Um, that other cycles were millions of years, well, first billions, then millions and hundreds of thousands and thousands and hundreds. Now we're down to every 30-plus days we recycle. So they're telling us that every 30 days, each one of us, like with the moon, the new moon to the full moon is a time when we should be going out into the world and creating things and being you know, bold about manifestation. From the full moon to the new moon is when we should go within and retrieve and come back so I think that even the Maya say that we are now being put back in harmony with the moon, which the Gregorian calendar took us off at. So the mammals all follow the lunar tide, and they are all lunarly driven beings. Um, humans, for the most part, many of us, no longer live in association with the lunar cycle. So yes, and they also each, for the most part, not all of them, the elephant, I haven't found the right star system, but the others are all represented in the heavens above us. So they represent, so the white bear represents the whole entire northern pole or the pole star where all our continents come together, where everything on earth, all the longitudes come together. You know, you look at the elephant and its role in Asia and India for Buddhists and Hindus worldwide is they have always taught us how to show maternal care and how to keep community together, how to revere the elder, how to treasure our youngers. You know, um, they're just the most compassionate beings there are. And they, they are said to stir the Milky Way. So there they are in the middle of our galaxy. We have the bear at the northern end of our whole planet. And then you have the lion who, Leo, next to Virgo. It's so interesting when you look at them astrologically. There's a lot there. So yes, I do think to your question, yes, I do believe they hold a frequency. And yes, I do think there's a reason they're all related. The bull is Taurus. Anyway, there's fascinating stories in all of it. There is. And I, I'm, I'm wondering, and we're about to have to take a break here, but we'll get on, on the other side of the break. I'm wondering um, what we can tell about the support they're giving us by the combination of the frequencies they're bringing and their, um, the things that they stand for metaphorically as well as, as how they, how they 
um, get along on the planet. So we'll pick up on that on the other side, but we do need to take another quick break. Before we pause, let me remind you to check out the amazing upcoming Galactic Shamanism classes for both children and adults on findyourpathhome.com. Zahara and I will be back shortly, so don't leave us now. This is the Science of Magic, your resource to altruistic professionals of science and the esoteric working together to create common ground for the betterment of our world. Join our email family to stay abreast of all the exciting things we offer at thescienceofmagic.net. is under ever-increasing pressure from untenable lifestyles and growing populations. Yet, viable answers seem in short supply. What if I told you there's an ancient form that can empower you to take charge of your life? What if your entire family could be enfolded and supported by life itself, finding safe passage through challenging times? I'm Gwilda Wiecka, founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Arts School with great news, an upcoming series of leading-edge online affordable classes based in an ancient form of shamanism easily learned and used by your entire family. Galactic Shamanism, Art of the Ancients, Key to Tomorrow are a series of online adult and children's lessons instructing your entire family on natural law, how to cooperate with and be supported by the powers of the universe. Visit findyourpathhome.com to find these unique and powerful classes. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. What's up in your world? I always love to hear from my listeners. Email me at info at thescienceofmagic.net and suggest a topic or guest that's on your mind. I'm sure we'll all enjoy them. Our guest this hour is Zohara Merhoff Hieronymus, the author of White Spirit Animals, Prophets of Change. Her website, whitespiritanimals.com. So, Zohara, we were going into what is the um, conglomerate, if you will, frequency being supported by these five animals that brought themselves to you at this time. And 
uh, how how is it how is that helping us move through these times of change? Do you want to explain to me what you believe to be the frequency? I mean, when you say frequency, that can mean so many things to so many sure, people. Sure, sure, sure. You bet. So for me, um, at least in a lot of the teachings that I had, um, each animal tribe, okay, so tribe of animals, the species, is responsible for holding a set of frequencies without which wouldn't be present on the planet. And that also described why sometimes they go, different animals go extinct because the, the frequencies are changing. That they're always present at, at the um, energetic level, but they're manifest physically here in different groupings at different times to support different frequencies. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, and I think we could say that that's true of anything in the manifest realm, that when it's manifest, it's, it holds a certain frequency. We could debate, as could anybody in the spiritual sort of investigative world, is the extinction um, timely? Was it premature? Was it destined in that time frame? And ultimately, that doesn't really matter either. What matters is what we do with our incarnation. So I'd say the same thing for these white spirit animals and their purpose. I do, though, think that when we look at the degree to which human appropriation of their habitat and human encroachment on their community, either through killing or captivity, um, is not natural. So I would say that what we do to these animals is not natural. It's a bad habit of dissociation. Yeah, well, I wasn't. I wasn't illness. getting. I wasn't trying to get into the political side of it. I was just trying no, to. No, I'm not either. Ascertain. I'm into a yeah. very physical um, as to why things go extinct because. There's a philosophy that if it went extinct, it was supposed to, and you hear this a lot in the New Age community. I don't share that opinion. Uh, it, that's an easy justification. I would say that it's a diminishment of the light, of some sort of light. So in any event, when we look at the beauties that these each hold, the bear you know, has preeminence over the woods and rivers and is really the teacher for us of earth healing and how to heal the earth, how to prepare ahead of time, how to bear witness you know, how to prepare housing properly in advance of the storm, all the things Bear does. So Bear is really essential in this way, and she's the, a mothering being that teaches us about teaching our young how to play, how to take care of themselves, and, and how to be self-sufficient. The lion is really about the alchemy of the heart. You know, in, in uh, alchemy, it's, they're called the emerald gem. And when you look in alchemy, they were once referred to often by many peoples, Mesopotamian, Babylonian, Sumerians, as the queen of heaven. So they teach us about being courageous and having a pure heart of love, that our goal and our obligation is guardianship of the world, which is how they're, re they're revered. The lion is considered guardian of the world. Bear is considered guardian of the north and where spirit comes from. So we're being told to protect the world and where spirit comes from. Elephant, as I mentioned, has the same lifespan as humans, a generally 80-year lifespan. They teach us compassionate action, you know, clear mind. Um, when, Sir L when Lawrence Anthony died, they showed up to mourn him. They teach us about telepathy. The wolf and the wolf packs can be as large as 80 to 30-some wolves. They have a 25-year lifespan. Um, they're the closest to us of any mammal, truthfully, spiritually, because they're guardians of the threshold. It's they who help us appreciate that life and death is a, a continuum. That, and so they're always there when somebody's crossing over or coming into the world. And they teach CPR, conservation, preservation, and restoration. And the buffalo I mentioned earlier um, really reinvigorate the soil. And they now know that without the buffalo, the prairies die. 
um, if we reinstall the buffalo into roaming migratory lands, we will have very fertile soils, which is really good for unstable climate. Um, each of these animals, when restored to their rightful presence in their ecosystems, will help these ecosystems remain resilient during earth changes. Um, and buffalo, because they were so willing to give up their life for humans, teaches us what it is to have this vision beyond our single lifetime, that we are all, whether animal or human, here beyond ourselves. We're for everybody. So mm-hmm. I think if we look at those five mammals and what they're teaching us is to care for the earth, care for each other, um, you know, take care of the universe, be good stewards, plan ahead, pr- plan for housing and shelter now for times that are more difficult. Um, it's our noble-hearted guardianship that is at stake and that we all have the capacity to do the work each of us is here to do. We just have to desire to do it. Mm. You know, you speak of dream telepathy, to change gears a little bit here. What exactly is dream telepathy? Dream telepathy is a little bit like lucid dreaming, but not quite. Dream telepathy says you go to bed with a very particular answer, and if you're lucky, over a period of nights, you may wake up with an answer. So it's, how is my Aunt Dorothy? Or what does the wolf in my woods need? Or that little bird that didn't seem to be able to fly, is there anything I can do? Whatever your question, frame it very clearly before you go to bed. Call the animal, the tree, the person, the the object, the issue into your heart. Say it three times and ask for permission. Would you communicate with me what I can do for you? Or will you communicate what I need to know for healing or whatever it is? But it's to be very patient with yourself in the process. Write down anything you can remember when you first wake up or during the night. And over a period of time, it might be in a group of dreams. It might be in a single dream. You might not hear anything for a month. Stay at it, I promise you, to everybody listening. You can use your dreams to answer any question you have about anything, anywhere, anytime, but it takes practice. So the, um, you're telling me that everyone can engage in this if they just practice it. Yes, I believe that. I think it's one of these inbred biomind superpowers, as Ingo Swan used to call them, like remote viewing or telepathy in the daylight. Yes, I do. I think it's one of the gifts we've been given that we've let atrophy and that we should really invigorate in each of our lives. Do you think that this is a time when we have a better opportunity to do that than uh, historically? Well, I think now, in particular, with Jupiter having gone into Scorpio, my gosh, everybody can be able to pull out what's hidden within their life, within their heart, within their mind, within their desire of, like, why am I here? Well, every day is a little different, but there are some general things each of us have agreed to before we incarnated that we wanted to do with our incarnation. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's to be a mother. Maybe it's to be an engineer. Maybe it's to be a broadcaster. Maybe it's to be a a late-life painter, whatever it is answer the call because the call is the soul calling out to you and when we dream our soul is really speaking and we have an opportunity to all speak together in our sleep and so like you know like the aborigines do they communicate mostly through telepathy during the day so dream telepathy is a way we can use our nighttime which is half a lifetime mostly to really do some of the work we're here to do so the, you speak of unhinging our consciousness from Earth's matrix. Would you go into that for a little bit? Yeah, very quickly, because we're almost out of time, I know. But uh-huh. there have been two major events that happened in, since the 1600s. One was moving off the lunar calendar, which I mentioned earlier, and the installation of the solar calendar in its place. It took us away from an understanding and a real relationship to our biorhythms. 
The other was when the Greenwich Meridian was changed from the Great Pyramids, which represent the three belt stars of Orion, which point to the galactic center of Alcyon, and they moved it to Greenwich Meridian to Greenwich, England. It was sort of, as I call, two processions of empires. The Roman Catholic Church put us on the solar calendar, and the British Empire took us away from the esoteric marker system that united all sacred sites on Earth and all places of life that connected us to the galaxy. So we unhinged from our physical biorhythms, and we unhinged from our spiritual um, matrix, which showed why a stone circle in Ireland and a stone circle in Ohio were connected in exactly the same way, because they all pointed to the galactic center. Now it's kind of like it's wherever it is, but we lost our sense of connectedness. And those two things, those realignments of understanding that the great pyramids at Pisa rep- of Giza represented the undying stars that, you know, will always guide this planetary evolution. I mean, maybe we'll shift someplace in the galaxy in the future, but for now, and when we lost that, we lost our sacred internal connection between us all. And the moon, we lost our connection to ourselves and the fact that we're water beings. We have about one minute left. How can the white spirit animals help us reconnect to the earth? By serving them. I would say serve your local environment. If you have birds, feed them. Whatever is needed by any animal you encounter, know that this is the call of the white spirit animals. And if animals aren't your thing, help with the environment or help with other people. Their message is to be of service, to be humble, and to know that the work before us can be done if we all do it together, both as humans, as animals, as sentient trees and rivers. The entire earth and our consciousness is one connected fabric of life and all life talks so we're not alone here huh (laughs) (laughs) definitely not alone and thank goodness for creation being as majestic and perfect as it is don't you think that when we really start to recognize that we're all just cells of a larger organism we'll have a little more respect for our our uh, relations amen you know amen (laughs) it's 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 a little tiny shift a little micrometer change in awareness that everything is related to everything at all times. And it Zohara, changes we, from that. Unfortunately, we're out of time. It's just been wonderful having you on the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. Our guest this hour has been Zohara Marahoff Hieronymus. She's the author of numerous books, including her latest, White Spirit Animals, Prophets of Change. Her website, whitespiritanimals.com. This has been The Science of Magic. Join our email family to stay abreast of all the exciting new things we have coming up at thescienceofmagic.net. Until next time, dear ones, may you be blessed with knowledge and comforted with love as you listen to the wisdom of our animals. Our